0: CLNS's Patriots coverage is powered by our exclusive wagering partners at BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your welcome bonus. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network. I am Evan Lazar, joined as always by Alex Barth. And Alex, we finally, finally have a real football game to talk about. I know it's just preseason, but we're both very excited to see the Patriots and the Washington football team take the field. Sidebar, the Washington football team does not roll off the tongue. It is very difficult to say, yeah. and they need themselves a nickname, but... Let's get down to it because the Patriots will play a actual football game in front of fans in the stands tomorrow uh, for the first time since the 2020 wild card game against the Tennessee Titans. But. More so than just the atmosphere, I think we're also going to see a heavy dosage of rookie quarterback Mac Jones, and that will be fun to see as well. But Alex, how much are you looking forward to not only seeing this team out there, but also being having the fans back and having the sort of the atmosphere back at Gillette State?
1: Yeah, it's a long time in the making. I said this to uh, on Toucher and Rich on, uh, yesterday. This is probably the mo- for a number of reasons probably the most anticipated preseason game in Patriots history. Now, most anticipated preseason game in Patriots history, you know, that that's not saying a lot. That's, you know, like saying, I don't know, you were, uh, I can't think of a, a good one. That's not going to piss somebody off, but um, you get yeah. the point. Like, yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it sounds a little weird, but it's true. You have the fans coming back. It is the first preseason game in two years. You obviously have the quarterback competition, on top of that, I think this is one of the most competitive rosters the Patriots have had at this point in the year, in maybe in the Belichick era. I mean, there's a lot of spots. There's a lot of guys fighting for just a few spots. So right. I, I am very excited. Everybody should be very excited. Don't, don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Or they say, how are you getting excited? It's just a preseason game. Don't let anybody tell you that. This is a game absolutely worth getting excited about.
0: Absolutely. I think it's, as you mentioned, we kind of lost, especially last year when there were no preseason games, but you kind of lost that ability to just sort of kind of comb the roster, right, and have these opportunities to look up and down the team. And the preseason is so much more about the product on the field than the scoreboard, right? What, what are we watching? Right. What are we seeing out of these guys versus what the final? is, that's what the preseason's all about, the process, not necessarily the result. So I want to start with the quarterbacks. I think that there is a conversation here of who plays for how long and stuff like that as well. Uh, are we expecting to see any Cam Newton on Thursday night? Because clearly that's the guy that if they're going to sit anybody, it's going to be Cam.
1: Yeah, I think that, um, my here, here's my guess just based off of nothing is because there there are so many new pieces on offense. I think Cam gets a series or two with the starters. Matt comes in after that. He plays the rest of the first quarter, the second quarter, and the first or second drive, of the third. I think they're going to want him to, to get used to going through halftime adjustments, right, and coming back out of the half. And then it will be Brian Hoyer from there. So Brian Hoyer for the final, I don't know, 18, 20 minutes of the game. The question, is, the big question to me, maybe the bigger question is, Not how the quarterback snaps are divvied up, but how are the rest of the snaps divvied up in relation to the quarterbacks? What I'm saying is do the starters come out with Cam Newton or do they on and get do they stay on and get a series or two with Mac Jones? I don't think they play all the way to the half with Mac Jones. I think at a certain point you'll see the reserves come in, but do they get any time with Mac? Does Mac get any time with them? How much is it? I think that might be the most important question heading into this game.
0: So Ron Rivera has already said that his starters are playing tomorrow night, at least for a period of time. So you do – if you want to throw Mac out there at the beginning of the game, whether you give Cam a drive or two or not is really irrelevant. If you want to throw Mac out there at the beginning of the game and you want to give him a real chance against the Washington defense, which is going to be, I think, a top-10 defense in the NFL this year, on paper at least – and he's right. going out there and he's going up against uh, Chase Young and Montez Sweat and, and all those guys up front on that Washington D line, at least give the guy a chance, right? Like if you go if you send him back out there with the back of O line Trey Nixon and Isaiah Zuber and Christian Wilkerson and Matt McCaw said tight end, no, no offense to the other 10 guys, but especially with that O-line, the backup offensive line, and this was actually the last point I wanted to get to tonight, has sort of been a train wreck in training camp so far, I would say. And if you're going to put them out there, and like I said, probably the best defensive line in football, or at least one of the best defensive lines in football, that is going to be, a bad, I I just think a bad way of about of going about it for Mac. I, I think that Mac has a real chance of taking way too many hits in a preseason game, and same with Cam. If you send them out there unprepared with a backup offensive line, now Cam is going to only play with the starting O line. So I, I don't think you have to worry about that one too much. But it's going to be interesting to see because I think a lot of this is going to be dictated on what Ron Rivera does on the other side of the football and what the Washington football team does, because if they're going to throw out that starting D-line out there and the Patriots have this plan to get to Mac early on in the game – they are going to have to make a decision about leaving the starting line out there with him or not, because Ron Rivera is in his D line are going to get after the quarterback. You start having guys like R.J. Prince and Corey Cunningham protecting Mac Jones's edges against Chase Young, it's going to be a long night. You know, so it, you you have to almost protect your investment
1: in a way, even in a preseason game. Right, so that that's part of you know the unknown within the within the unknown, and and you touched on it a little bit there how you play your starters is relevant to what the other team does. So, like you said, I don't know that Bill can put the backup offensive line there against Washington's front. That may kind of dictate how he does things. So, but at the same time, with the receivers, they that that can be different as well. Um, so we we have to ultimately see what the plan is, and that's another reason this game's so in, intriguing. Nobody really has any idea. I mean, league-wide, nobody has any idea what this is going to look like with three preseason games. Is it going to look like the first three right. used to and then just throw the fourth game out? Um, you obviously have the staggered cuts as well. You're going to have five players cut after the first two games each. So it might look different. And I don't, you know, nobody knows how, but it might look different. So we're totally, um it's going to be a learning experience tomorrow.
0: So now that we've gotten sort of the who's going to play and for how long and stuff out of the way. I think a big question is what are you looking for, right, out of these two quarterbacks? Cam, on the one hand, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily looking for anything in particular in Cam. Obviously, you want it to look good when he's out there. You want his process to look good. You want him to throw the ball well. But I, I'm not necessarily looking too deep into Cam Newton in the preseason because he is he does have that resume right? But Mac Jones, on the other hand, uh, what do you want to see out of Mac? Because I I think that this is a really great opportunity, as any game is, to just take off the training wheels, right? Because at times out in practice, for both QBs, for everybody, really, uh, you have the coaches holding up the play calls on the cards, and and you have guys kind of going through a scripted for, uh, sequence of plays, right? Uh, they might even know before they get out there uh, what those plays are going to be uh, scripted beforehand. And and Josh McDaniels might kind of relay to them, "We're going to work on this today. We're going to work on that today." This is a game, right? Where McDaniels right. is going to relay the call into the headset. You got to call it in the huddle, and then once the, he breaks the huddle, and I'm talking about Mac here, Josh McDaniels is coaching and Josh McDaniels is tutelage in the practice. That all disappears and then it just becomes about Mac Jones and the 11 other uh, 10 other guys on the field for the Patriots offense.
1: Yeah I, I think I'm looking for the command like we've talked about this before just how does he look before the snap at the line of scrimmage and hopefully he gets a two-minute drill too I think that could tell us a lot um, it, that again predicates on Bill Belichick leaving him into, to the end of the first half maybe they do a simulated two-minute drill just somewhere in there randomly we've seen them do that before if, if things look a little odd. That's what they're doing. Um, Right. Those are probably the two situations. I think it's as much as much as I'm looking at that. And I talked about it before. So I'll just double back. Who is he playing with? Is he getting time with Jacoby Myers? Is he getting time with Kendrick Bourne? I can't imagine Nelson Aguilar is going to play because he's been limited at the last few practices, but you know, right. Is he getting time with John Smith to James White? Like who, who are they making sure he gets reps with? Because If he's just out there getting reps with Ramondre Stevenson and Devin Ross and Isaiah Zuber, no offense to those guys, that tells me they're not worried about getting him ready for the regular season this year. If they're putting him out there with guys that he's going to need to complete passes to in the year 2021, that tells me that they're a little more focused on getting him ready, not just long-term, but short-term as well.
0: Yeah, and I think as much as we can sort of simulate things out at practice, even for a preseason game, the speed of the game takes another step forward, right? And, and can Mac Jones hang at that speed? In a, what's not necessarily regular season NFL speed, but certainly closer to regular season NFL speed than let's say a, a training camp practice, right? So that, that's going to be sort of the next element of that as well. And I, I think that there's, Certain things with Mac's process that, that I would like to see just in terms of his cadences at the line of scrimmage, what he's leading pre-snap, it, all those types of things I think are going to be extremely important for Mac Jones in this game. Because again, you're, you're not, you've been going up against the same defense for two weeks. You sort of know what you're going up against and what sort of their calls are going to be in their base defense and uh, what the calls are going to be on your side of things with, with Josh McDaniels kind of relaying that on another level in a practice. So again, when all the cards are down and the ball is just rolled out there on the field and the headset goes off and on the, at the line of scrimmage, how does Mac handle himself from that point on that? That's what we're right. going to be able to see in this first preseason game. And, and i the speed of the game. Those are the two most important things. Can he, can he keep up with the speed and can he keep up with sort of the control of the offense and, and keep the train on schedule?
1: Yeah, I, it's, I, I talked about it a ton. The command, the command, the command, how much is he recognizing things? How comfortable is he changing plays? Things like that. This is going to be the first real chance to see it. I think I'll, you know, what? I'll say the ball placement too, because not that his ball placement has been bad. It's actually been very good. But it's one thing to stand in the pocket when, even if there's a, pa- a pass rush, and air quotes, coming, right? you know you can't get hit, right? Sure. It's another thing yeah. if, if Chase Young's bearing down on you. So let's see if he can still be as precise in his ball placement when he's facing a live pass rush. I think that's something that's interesting as well.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point as well, that he, he really hasn't gotten hit. At all? Oh, he hasn't gotten hit at all, right? And right. in, in any of these ga- any any of these practices, for the first time, we're gonna see how he handles getting hit. Not just in terms of standing in the pocket and taking a hit while he delivers it, but how does he get up, right? And, and how, right. how does he bounce back from getting a big hit in the pocket? Not that we've never seen him get hit. He's obviously gotten hit at Alabama plenty. Even though the haters would tell you that he never got was never under pressure at Alabama, he was hit uh, quite a bit at Alabama as well. Let's move on from the quarterbacks and talk about the other big storyline of training camp. I would say, and that's Nikhil Harry and the wide receiver position for the Patriots in general. But we were talking about this a little bit when we were discussing what we were going to talk about today. And with Nikhil Harry, it it really feels like if we don't see much of Nikhil Harry tomorrow night, that's means uh, bodes well for him staying here with the Patriots this season. If we see a ton of Nikhil Harry uh, tomorrow night and in these Three preseason games, then it's a clear showcase situation, right? Where they're, they're clearly trying to get tape out there to these other NFL teams and say, hey, look at this guy's turning it on a little bit. He's starting to figure it out. Why don't you throw us a fourth round pick, right? You know, stuff like that. So if we don't see Nikhil at all, then I think that that is
1: a really good sign that they like what they're seeing from him. Yeah, I would just push back on that. And I wonder if, you know, what he's done at camp is enough and they don't want to risk lowering his stock. And it's, well, yeah, we couldn't play him. You know, maybe he pulled up during pregame or whatever, but you heard what he was doing at camp. High value at camp, yeah. so that's what we want. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know if, if his playing time matters. I, I certainly think a good game helps. Um, I I still don't know that performance is necessarily tied to him staying or not because if, if, if they're not cutting him. He's not going to get cut. He's too good to get cut it's a matter of if that trade request is real or not. And they know, you know, that one way or the other, the Patriots know if the trade request is real. We've kind of questioned it on the outside because of everything that's happened since, but they know, um, they still got to get him ready for the season if, if he's going to stay. So I, I think if he's playing, he's, he's, it's not as an indication. The other thing I'd say about tomorrow as it relates to Nikhil Harry is I want to see not necessarily what he does individually, but what opportunities does the team put him in? Because as nuts as that post was from his agent, right? The trade request, blah, 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 everything he said. I mean, that was banana land, but he also wasn't entirely wrong. I think a lot of Nikhil's struggles have been tied to the fact that they've been trying to use him as this technician wide receiver, and that's not who he is. He's a jump ball threat. He's a 50-50 guy. He's a deep threat, and they haven't given him those opportunities. Now, you don't necessarily run your regular – regular season offense in a pre in a preseason game so it's kind of tough to judge this but what kind of opportunities do they give Nikhil Harry do they actually give him a chance to go up and win 50 50 balls or is it going to be more of this pirouette wet crap we saw him doing for the last two years that he can't do that he's never been able to do that it doesn't make a ton of sense to sense to ask him to do
0: we certainly are seeing him run a ton more vertical routes out at practice right deep posts, right go balls it's not all jump ball back shoulder high point fade type of stuff but there's a lot more getting vertical not as much as you said pirouetting right not as much breakdown right. route running when he is cutting and horizontally across the field it's sort of like a crosser or a dig route which every NFL receiver should be able to run a cross or a dig or a slant right those three routes really if you can't run those three routes then, then you're not an NFL receiver so we're not, they're not asking him to do as much the tactical things I I would say at practice, at least what we've seen so far, uh, the football team does have a couple of good corners. They're not exactly huge, you know, great all pro type corners. Right. So uh, we don't they don't have Stephon Gilmore. They don't have Trey White or someone like that, Xavier Howard. But uh, William Jackson's a decent corner. Uh, Kendall Fuller is a decent corner. And that's the one thing that I would like to see out of the as well is we've seen him beat Juwan Williams. We've seen him beat uh Michael Jackson, right? In practice. We've seen him beat some of these depth corners, but we haven't necessarily seen him beat JC Jackson consistently or, uh, you know, right. okay. He, he catches a, a high pointer back shoulder against Jonathan Jones. Well, he has eight inches on Jonathan Jones. Like what, are they, obviously Jonathan Jones at the catch point is not going to be able to challenge a six foot three wide receiver, just a terrible matchup. So, if he does get some reps against William Jackson, uh, who is a solid corner in the league, uh, maybe that is an opportunity for us to sort of see: is this for real? Right? Is, is is he actually turning a corner, or is he just kind of beating up on bad competition in practice? I, that's that's where I'm at with Kill Harry now: is just sort of deciphering what's real and what's not out of this quote unquote breakout that we're seeing. Right? Because right. I haven't seen those moments you're waiting for that big catch on J.C. Jackson. Is really what you're waiting for, right? If he can make a big explosive play against J.C., then you kind of say, okay, maybe this is for real. But doing it against DeJuan Williams, doing it against Mike Jackson, uh, those guys, I don't know. I, I, I'm not getting too excited over it. These preseason games give him an opportunity to go up against some, some starters on other teams in the secondary. And if he's still making those types of plays, then that will bode well for the Patriots, whether they want to trade him or they want to keep him. It's still good news either way.
1: Yeah. I mean, him performing well, it doesn't, you know, it's not a bad thing. It's just most, I've said this before, most bubble guys, the better they play, the clearer their picture gets. Nikhil Harry, the better he plays, the blurrier it gets. Because if he wasn't playing well, I think we just all say, all right, you trade him for a sixth round pick and you call it a day. Right. Now that he's playing so well, can you reverse the trade request? Are you going, you know, is somebody going to offer you so much that you can't say no, is somebody going to overpay for him and try to buy in on the hype? So that, that, that's part of what makes this whole thing so interesting. It is. It's a really fascinating
0: situation, but it's something that I still think is trending towards the Patriots and to kill Harry, trying it out for one more season. I, I, Unless the team blows them away with the trade offer, which I still don't think you do that based off of training camp hype, right? I mean, it's one thing if he goes out there the first four or five weeks of the season they want to trade him at at the deadline and he's had a good first month of the year or something like that, then maybe that's a different conversation. But getting all caught up in in what reports are at a training camp, I don't think that's necessarily going to sway his value all that much. But like you mentioned – if he played badly, then it's just a re- really easy decision, right? You just cut ties and move on and some cost, right? But right. since he's playing well, it's, it's kind of difficult to kind of make this decision because you're sort of deciphering what's real, what's not. Are we hitching our wagon to something that we know is broken or is this something that actually is turning a corner? It's an inevitable, well, I can't say that word. It's a, Tough decision for Bill Belichick to inevitable? be in. Thank you. No, Inenvious. inenviable.
1: Inenviable, yeah. In-
0: yeah. inevitable. There we go. It's a difficult situation for the Patriots coaching staff to – how much do you read into all of this? I think these preseason games really do matter for that. And like I mentioned at the beginning of the Nikhil Harry rant that we've been on here, if he's not playing at all, then I think that means that they want him here. Right? And they've sort of made up their minds. I really do. Because if they want to get the best possible trade value for him, him going out there and mossing a couple of third string corners is only going to help the trade value. It really is only going to help it unless he gets injured, which then obviously you put him on IR and you're done with it anyways. Right? So yeah. what if he sucks? I, I guess. I mean, I don't know. If he sucks against third-string corners in a preseason game and he's playing in the third quarter against guys that aren't going to be on a team in a month, then then he just sucks. You know what I mean? Like Then he's just not an NFL player. If he can't go out there and play really well in this environment, then I, I don't know if he's ever going to get it in the NFL. So I, I think that he's... I'm optimistic that he's going to be able to do that. He's been doing it in practice, right? And and I'm not trying to pick on, we're not, we're really not trying to pick on Jawan Williams and, and, and Michael Jackson and D Virgin and all these players that he's been going up against and really owning them in practice. But if he's doing it in practice, I got to imagine it will translate to a preseason game, which is basically just, you know, a more intense practice, right? We're not, we're not really in the true regular season mode yet.
1: I know. I'm just saying it's not it's not either he plays well or he doesn't play. I'm just saying there's a third option.
0: All right. Fair enough. All right. So the other wide receiver I wanted to uh, talk about before um, we talk about some other positions is obviously Christian Wilkerson. And this is a, one of those players that I think I've learned and we keep on mentioning this name. I think I've learned from the Maurice Harris experience to be patient with these types of situations where first couple of weeks of training. Yeah, camp, jumping
1: all in on the kill. I'm just saying.
0: Well, Nikhil Harry is a first round pick. It's a much different player. Like, Nikhil Harry was drafted 32nd overall in the NFL draft in 2019 because he had great college tape and great upside and potential. So, we're finally seeing that upside. Christian Wilkerson is a UDFA nobody. Like, no, not again. Like, I'm not trying to pick on these guys, but it's a much, it's an apple comparison,
1: right? I, 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 I don't think quite. If, you know, if Nikhil was just picked this past year, I'd agree with you. We have two years of tape of him not being able to cut it.
0: I guess. I mean, we have that. That's fair, but we have seen the kill Harry flash. We have seen, that is fair. We have seen him in, in, in a real NFL game, right? And, and by the and, way,
1: I'm I'm not saying you have to be necessarily less patient with Christian Wilkerson. I think Christian Wilkerson is still, you know, I'm. I had him on my roster projection. I'm far from saying he's a lock to make the roster. I just, when you factor in the trade request, I feel the same way about Nikhil Harry. I just, this is what I feel like, all right? First of all, Christian Wilkerson, I just looked it up. He
0: dressed for one game last year for the Patriots. So he's played one NFL game. Right, right. And if you were to go out on the trade market, and you would say, call up another team, and you'd say, Nikhil Harry's on the block, and Christian Wilkerson's on the block. Which one do you want? Wh- wh- who, who, which team? You know, well, so who-
1: I so the saying they want. So that's that's a fair point because they're going to say Nikhil. But here's my counter to that: What are you real? What can you get back for Nikhil Harry? Do we think maybe a fourth round pick is in play now? What are you going to get back for Christian Wilkerson? Conditional seventh, maybe. Not nothing. That nothing. That guy, whoever you keep, is only going to play about ten percent of the offensive snaps. Is it worth keeping Nikhil in his contract to play ten percent of the offseason snaps versus having a top one fifty pick in a loaded draft next year? It's not like they need Nikhil Harry to play a significant amount of time. That's
0: a decision they you have get to do. Get Saying, but I think what the decision that that you have to boil it down to is: Can is Nikhil Harry going to be better than that? Right? Because again, as much as he's, he's going to be better than Wilkerson. He's going to be better than Wilkerson. And as much as Nikhil Harry has had issues, you have to—the God-given talent is there for him, right? Like he is six foot three. He's an explosive player. He's The God-given talent has been there for Nikhil all along. They've used him incorrectly. I think he's played too heavy over the last couple of years, being up around 220, 225. And that's taken away a lot of his agility and a lot of his speed, which has been a big problem for him. And he talked about this when we've spoken to him. And he said, hey, you know, last couple of years, I was so focused on being Des Bryant, like being this big-body, box-out type of guy, right? But I, I lost a lot of my speed. I lost a lot of my agility. I was in light on my feet. You know, Nikhil Harry has a lot more potential. I understand what you're saying about the, you know, who has more value to this roster, right? right. With Christian Wilkerson's contributions on special teams. But let, let's talk a little bit about Wilkerson because I, he's another one of those players where He's had these flashes in training camp, similarly to Nikhil, and you wonder if it's real or if it's this training camp stuff, right? And I that's why I brought up Maurice Harris is when you kind of look at that situation, it was the first – it was minicamp with Maurice Harris. This is the first couple of weeks of training camp with Christian Wilkerson. But, again, is a guy that has zero – NFL production. He has one NFL game under his belt in his uh, first year with the Patriots, a 2020 undrafted rookie, very unproven player. So how much is this practice and a player just having a couple of good practices during training camp, and how much of this is they've actually found something in Christian Wilkerson? Because it can go one of two ways, right? It could be Austin Carr or it could be Jacoby Myers, right? And you sort of have to figure out which one it is.
1: Well, I think it's somewhere in between. I'm not telling you that – when I say I think Christian Wilkerson's been good, I'm not telling you that he's going to be their leading receiver in two or three years. Like, I think sure. Jacoby, Jacoby Myers could be the Patriots' leading receiver this year. I don't know that he'd be my first pick, but I wouldn't be totally shocked if it happened either, right? I, I don't know if you disagree with that or not, but I think there's a chance. Uh, I don't know that yeah, Christian the Christian Wilkerson
0: – catches
1: that I yeah. think Jacoby
0: Myers could lead the team yeah. in catches this year.
1: In terms of receptions, right. I don't right. know if Christian Wilkerson ever gets there, but I think he's capable. I think he can be a, a depth, like, like contribute as a depth-wide receiver. And then you have the fact he plays on special teams. He wants to play on special teams. He's basically lived on Matthew Slater's hip during special teams drills. Slater has raved about him. Belichick has mentioned how versatile he is. The thing, Maurice Harris, we were all locked on to a guy who looked like he had big play potential at receiver. And that was it. That's not what's happening with Wilkerson with Wilkerson. It's almost everything, but what he's done at wide receiver, what he's done at wide receiver is kind of the cherry on top. If he wasn't out here catching passes the way he has, right. I would still say, I'd still look at a guy like Brandon King or a guy like Rashad Barry or one of these core special teams guys and say, maybe they're in trouble. What he does as right. a wide receiver shifts that conversation to potentially Nikhil Harry, but he's still in competition with those guys as well. JJ Taylor's another one, a guy who primarily this year projects to be a special teams player. If he makes the team, like, I'm not pounding the table for Wilkerson because they have this great wide receiver and they're going to blow it. If they don't keep him. I'm pounding the table for him because he just, he fits. He's a fit. He's the kind of guy they keep. This isn't me saying, if I'm sitting in that chair, I'm doing all I can to keep Christian Wilkerson. This is me telling you, based off of historical context, Christian Wilkerson is the kind of guy the Patriots like to keep. It just so happens, another guy at his position has underperformed for two years and currently has a trade request out. That's where the Harry Wilkerson connection comes in. I'm not telling you he's going to be a better wide receiver than Nikhil Harry. I don't think he is. But again, with ten per- with one guy wanting a trade request, the rolls for about 10% of the snaps on offense, Nikhil's going to give you nothing on special teams. Wilkerson's going to give you everything on special teams. It's really a no-brainer if you, if you put yourself in Bill Belichick's shoes, right? How does Bill Belichick not keep so, a special teams guy? So
0: Christian Wilkerson, to me, and somebody in the chat, I think made a nice comparison here. Outside of, he's not returning kicks in practice, right? So yeah. out, outside of that he is one of those guys that is just doing absolutely everything to make the team, right? Right. And and, and just doing everything that he can possibly do to make the team in terms of special teams, playing at receiver. And the way that I look at him sort of – being groomed as you mentioned by Matthew Slater and Justin Bethel is Matthew Slater in particular and nobody is sitting here saying that Christian Wilkerson is going to have the impact in terms of leadership and character and all those types of things that Matthew Slater has had here in New England but Matthew Slater in particular has been flirting with retirement for a couple of years now at at every offseason he sort of had to think to himself am I going to stay am I going to play another year am I not he's had to come to that decision. So that being said, I think that there's a chance that Matthew Slater and Justin Bethel see a lot of potential in Christian Wilkerson. They see the the want to, to work out at, at it and, and be there and be president special teams drills. And maybe down the line when Matthew Slater retires, when Justin Bethel retires, Wilkerson can sort of be the next guy to carry that torch of, of that that core group of special teamers because that group, let's face it from Slater to Bethel, to King, to Cody Davis is aging. It's aging, right? I mean, they have right. some young guys that I think can play in a kicking game really well. Duggar, uh, certainly maybe Uche, uh, maybe a player like um uh, John Jones is probably going to be here as well. But at the same time that, that sort of, phase of the game is starting to get older and starting to get long in the tooth. And I think Slater in particular is very, very close to hanging them up. And I think they are trying to look to pass that torch a little bit. And if they believe that Christian Wilkerson is the type of guy that can take that mantle and take that torch, I definitely think that he's going to be on the team, regardless of Nikhil Harry's situation. They might find a way to keep six wide receivers at that point right I, I that that's really how how much i think that they care about that sort of thing because matthew slater has made playing special teams cool and fun right. in new england
1: right, right. he's made yeah. it
0: a, a way onto the football team a way to to have a 10 year plus career in the league with the patriots they they have really kind of hung their hat on matthew slater being the at the forefront of that and especially especially if Matthew Slater makes the Hall of Fame down the road, that's going to be even more. Look at Matthew Slater, right? Maybe you're not going to make it on offense or defense. Our guy's in the Hall of Fame just playing on special teams, right? And I think that's going to be something that if Wilkerson can sell them on that piece of him, I still think he's going to be on the team regardless of if they trade Dekeel or
1: not. To answer a question in the chat, who was this Slater before Slater? It was Larry Izzo. Um, Larry Izzo, yeah. I, um... Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Again, I think, and and maybe I've done this too much, turning it into Wilkerson versus Harry. That's not really what it is. It's kind of a group of, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 guys competing yeah. for five spots. I wrote about this this morning on 985 com. I think Harry and Wilkerson are both in that group. That being said, I don't think that it's, I, I don't think that, there's a situation where it's one or the other. I think they could both make the team. I think neither could make the team. Again, I'm still under the impression that Nikhil Harry's trade request is real and he wants out and he wants to be moved. So I, that's part of the reason I just am kind of discounting him. I believe what his agent says. I believe he wants out. Again, I would not cut him. He's too good to cut him. But if if you want, if he wants to be traded, I think it makes more sense to trade him than to not. Um, but I, yeah, I think with Wilkerson. He is somebody we need to take seriously. And again, it's the special teams that puts him on the radar and, and gives him a legitimate shot to make the roster. What he does as a receiver is kind of the cherry on top. So that that's what I'm really interested to see. Yeah. If he can be that guy and a wide receiver, right? Matthew Slater is Matthew Slater. Another guy, and maybe this is more of the comp or at least the upside comp, you know, Brandon Bolden, who has been a heavy contributor yeah. on special teams throughout his career. But he'll also contribute on offense at times when they need him to. If the running backs are banged up, if, you know, some players just need a breather, like you'll see him come in on offense a few times a game and he can actually make a difference in, in, in small, uh, in small sample sizes. I would like, I wonder if Wilkerson could be that guy as a receiver. I think he might be a good enough receiver to do that. And that's what we'll find out starting tomorrow night.
0: I think that's a great comparison, honestly, because he's not really Gunner because Gunner returns punts, right? That's Gunner's primary role. He's not really Matthew Slater because Slater doesn't play on offense at all. So, yeah, Bolden is kind of the perfect comparison. I think in terms of, a, like you said, a player that contributed in spurts on offense when they call upon him for depth purposes, he's there and he steps up to the occasion. But he's mostly a special teams player, so I, I think that that's a really nice way of putting it. And the Patriots have, outside of that one year when Miami poached Brandon Bolden post-cutdown from New England, on uh, after he got cut by the Patriots, that. The sort of expectation was that he was going to return to the Patriots right after they got the roster down to 52 players again and Miami poached him. Bill Belichick has made a point to make sure that he doesn't lose Brandon Bolden again since then. Right. So definitely a player that they have uh, valued a ton. Let's talk about some of these other bubble guys. Can I, can I ask before-
1: you something about Nakia real quick? And maybe this is a bigger sure. picture question, but I do want to ask you. You want them to keep him. You think they should keep him. Do you trust them to finally use him right if they keep him? Because I don't. I think if they could have figured it out, they would have done it by now. So I actually, I am optimistic about the usage because
0: I've seen him run, as I said, more of a vertical route tree so far in practice and certainly being more on the outside. And this was sort of a, a yin and a yang here, right? The the yin was using him correctly. The yang was that Nikhil Harry had to be explosive enough to be used in the way that he was best utilized. And I think what we've seen in training camp so far is that he has gotten faster, especially in that first eight to ten yards off the line of scrimmage. He's actually threatening corners now and eating up cushion, and he wasn't necessarily doing that before. So it's hard to turn somebody into a jump ball receiver that takes – you know, if you run a 40-yard dash in 4.6, 4.7 seconds, that takes four and a half seconds to get 40 yards down the field. It's hard to wait that long for a guy to get down there, right? So if you can improve right, on right. that and the margins, then hopefully you can actually throw him the ball down the field more, and we have seen that. I think the play – they actually just missed on the throw, Cam and Nikhil did, but the play there, he uh, – I think it was on uh, in Monday's practice – When he ran by Mike Jackson on a deep post and was open behind the defense, that was the first time that I can sit here and say that Nikhil Harry actually ran by somebody on an NFL field right like yeah that that's right. never happened before. if that continuously happens, if that becomes more of a consistent thing, it sets up the whole rest of his abilities because then he can stop down and catch a back shoulder or they can throw it up to him on a deep ball like that and let him go up and get it, and they can kind of implement different routes, maybe he does start to get a little bit of cushion or have people respect his explosiveness off the line a little bit more, and that opens up those underneath routes, so even if you're not a precise slant or dig route runner if corners are backpedaling and respecting the deep ball a little bit more then you don't have to necessarily be julian edelman or keenan allen or someone like that and break ankles right you can just kind of go about it at your pace and still get open so i'm optimistic that the that the team is recognizing the way to use him a little bit better, but I'm more optimistic in the fact that Nikhil it looks a lot faster than he did before. And I think that right. – uh, a lot of that, I think, relates to the weight loss. I, I really do. I think he was playing too heavy uh, in years past, and now that he's down to, I think you said, around 210 pounds. I think that is exactly where he should be playing. Uh, let, let's talk about some of these other bubble players. Then I want to talk about some of the rookies that we're going to see for the first time. Uh, J.J. Taylor, I, I've sort of talked about this a little bit here on the podcast. I've written about it. Alex, I'm sure you've written about it as well, a really quiet, two weeks of training camp so far for JJ Taylor. I know a lot of people were very optimistic that he could be the successor to James white and he could kind of take that torch. And I really expected more out of him in training camp. I thought he was going to have a true breakout camp. And there were people in the springtime when he had a really good mini camp that were talking about him taking James white's role Soon, you know, maybe not this year, but by next year, having that be the JJ Taylor show, it has not, it's not gone in that direction in training camp so far. Now we get into a game action and now is his time to kind of shine, right? He he needs to do something because there's five other running backs ahead of him on the roster. If you want to count Ramondre Stevenson, I don't think this team is keeping six running backs. I just, I have my roster projection mostly finalized. We'll see what happens tomorrow night if I want to make some tweaks. But keeping six running backs is really hard just from a numbers perspective. I and mean, you're going to be leaving somebody off or short at another position. And J.J. Taylor might be a guy that's just victim to a numbers game at this point.
1: Yeah, I, I'd agree. I, right now I have J.J. Taylor as the guy that they cut initially and then try to bring back once they put somebody on IR. And there'll be a couple of those guys this year, I think, with that three-week IR, right, that that they have right. now. Um Like you said, six running backs. That's a very crowded room. I don't know that this roster dictates them keeping six running backs. He hasn't necessarily been bad in practice, but I don't know that he's been good. I don't know that he stood out. There's guys in other positions fighting for depth spots who have. Again, it's not, you know, I don't think it's him versus Bolden. I don't think it's him versus Stevenson. I don't think it's him versus White. It's him versus a guy like Christian Wilkerson. It's him versus a guy like Rashad Berry. Maybe an offensive lineman. Do they want to keep seven, eight, nine offensive linemen? That's who he's fighting with right now, and you never want to be in that spot. You want to know, okay, there's a spot at my position, and that's the spot I'm trying to grab because you can kind of narrow your focus. If you're competing with guys from other positions, you got to show you can do more than just play your position. You got to contribute on special teams, etc. The best thing JJ Taylor can do in this preseason, I think, is house a kickoff return because they yeah. need a kickoff return returner. They don't. They, there's no obvious one on the roster right now. Uh, like I said before the season, I thought maybe Zuber would make a run at it. He hasn't thought uh, maybe Gunner would look better as a kick returner. He hasn't gotten a ton of reps back there. Uh, so maybe that's his way on the roster is, is being the kick returner. So that's where I'm looking for him. Um, I, I think be, that's a
0: great point. Cause Deion Lewis did that, right? Deion Lewis was a right. really explosive kick returner. They, like you said, they don't necessarily have somebody they've thrown Brandon Bolden back there a bunch. We know that's sort of the safe, route if Bill Belichick wants to go in that direction but in order to have a guy that can actually house the kick J.J. Taylor has that sort of explosiveness and, and ability in the open field to maybe do that so I, I definitely think that that's something that could be a, a way on the roster for him and then obviously a backup to James White as well but you're looking for that moment and like you said He's got a house kick return. He's got to have a long catch, have a long run, have a big game in the stat sheet. If he has, what was that playoff game against Houston? Wasn't it where Deion Lewis returned a kickoff yeah. for a touchdown and had like a hundred yards from scrimmage? If he has one of those types of games and it's preseason. So it's, there's a chance that JJ Miller could have one of those types of games. I don't think he's having one of those types of games in the divisional round of the playoffs, but in a preseason game, if he has one of those types of games, then we're the, conversation needs to be reevaluated right and i need to find a way to squeak them onto my 53 man roster i think so that's one another player that i definitely think is worth watching tomorrow night and in all fat phases of the game right in return ability and on offense uh how about uh, there's a couple more um that i wanted to hit on Carl Davis, I think, is having a fantastic training camp. I almost don't even want to put him on the bubble anymore. I kind of think that he might already be on the roster unless he really kind of falls from grace here. This, as Belichick said, a system fit who's having a really nice training camp so far. Long, five, three 320 pounds, uh, good two-gapping ability. I think he's got a little bit of wiggle to him as well and finesse to to rush the passer if they want to leave him in there in sort of play action, first down type of situations. but. He's somebody that probably is the backup to Devon Godshaw or Lawrence Gy in the interior of the defensive line. But I think a valuable depth piece if they can hang on to him and he just seems to fit what they want to do up front extremely well.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. I you know, he's not on because of lack of talent, right? Or if he's not on, he's not on because of it's not because of a lack of talent right now. It's because there's so many guys ahead of him. Right. Right. And there's just so much talent overall at that position so we'll see what happens with him uh if chase winovich opens up the year on pup maybe that's how he gets on the roster yeah i think you know it's a good challenge for everybody up front on the not to go away from davis but i think you touched on it all i don't want to be redundant um all the quarterbacks washington has obviously fitzpatrick but taylor heineke steven montez kyle allen all these guys have a little wiggle room none of them are lamar jackson but they can all move around a little bit and they're all pretty elusive relative to the quarterback position so I think it's going to be a very good, um, a very good test, a very good test for some of those guys up front. I think that whoever the quarterback is, they're going to have their challenges. All right.
0: How about Rashad Berry, who I thought started out really hot in training camp? He's kind of cooled off since he hasn't really shown much in one on ones either uh, based off of uh, what I have seen and tracked, but certainly somebody that has flashed at times in training camp, really good speed to power rusher, has that special teams ability that we got about 20 minutes with Christian Wilkerson a little bit. Maybe not quite as as good as Wilkerson in that phase, but definitely has the athleticism, I think, to be a special team player as well. He was elevated from the practice squad a few times last year uh, to be a game day active. Someone that's definitely squarely on the bubble, but – a big game here in the preseason or two, a couple sacks in, in the preseason. You never know. You you could get a situation where Rashad Berry gets the roster, especially if Chase Winovich is not healthy for the start of the season.
1: Yeah. He's another one that, again, is in that group of whatever it is, 10, 15 players fighting for five to seven spots, Rashad Berry. And it, it's kind of like what we talked about with Wilkerson where, the special teams ability is what puts him in the conversation, but he's shown some flashes on defense as well, where he may be able to contribute. He may have some upside. So that again, the more you can do, it gives you an edge. Rashad Barry, I think is a guy who can do a lot of different things and he can do a couple of them very well. And that's why he's a guy to me that we have to see in a game, but might have an inside track on a spot. If we're talking about those bubble guys, you know, they're all in the bubble, but some are closer than others. I would say Rashad Berry's probably closer than not.
0: Yeah, and he's someone that has played a little bit with his hand in the dirt and as a stand-up edge. I think that based off of his size, I think he's only 250 to maybe 245. I don't think he's necessarily a hand-in-the-dirt defensive end, especially in a 3-4 system, but it's someone that has rushed a little bit with his hand in the ground. So I think the versatility to stand up or play defensive end exists there. I mentioned the killing game versus Another player on the bubble to watch, and is it time? I think it's time to talk about Quinn Nordine. And get wait, tonight can, can I throw
1: out one more defensive player? Then or are we going sure. back to defense? Um, I know. Go ahead. Okay, uh, is, um, it gonna be, is it going to be Harvey Longy? It is going to be Harvey Longy. Yes, it's going to be yes. Harvey Longy, the middle linebacker. I think that with Raquan Mill- McMillan now out, some people in the Chat mentioned Therese Hall. He's still on PUP, so we can't account for him yet. There's an opening for that third middle linebacker, right? Sure. Donta Hightower is going to be the number one. I thought maybe Juwan Bentley, there'd be a run at that second spot. He's had a great camp. He was a practice in the scrimmage. I think he's locked into that second spot. But they generally like to keep three of those guys, especially with both Hightower and Bentley having you know, somewhat of an injury history. And right now, to me, it's between Hall, and Anfernee Jennings is probably in the mix, but that's more of a depth thing. He's primarily an outside linebacker, but Harvey Longy should get a ton of playing time tomorrow night, just again, because McMillan's not there. I don't think Hightower plays a ton. I don't think Bentley plays a ton. We're going to see a lot of Harvey Longy, and he's going to have a chance to, to make some plays. And if he comes up and makes a ton of plays, we're going to talk about maybe keeping an extra middle linebacker over an edge linebacker. And is somebody who can play a ton of special teams as well. So he's somebody, I think, if you want to put him in correct competi- direct competition with somebody, Rashad Barry. Is probably that guy. So he has a chance to stand out. A great chance to stand out tomorrow night. A great chance to have his name called a number of times. Just another another player to keep an eye on there.
0: We've talked a lot about guys like Wilkerson, Rashad Berry, Harvey Long. He played sixty percent of the snaps last year for the Jets defense and sixty percent of the snaps for the special teams. Right. This right. is a guy that had sixty combined tackles last year for the Jets. Now the Jets defense blue it was terrible right but a player that actually has real nfl game production we're talking a lot about guys that haven't even suited up for an nfl game or have have played sparingly just in the kicking game things like that harvey longy has played legitimate nfl snaps and played well in some of those games particularly against the patriots a couple times last year he played some some decent football so i think that he's certainly somebody that in a way, has a little bit more clout, a little bit more of a resume than some of these other guys that we've talked about today, yeah. and has some sort of actual NFL tape watch and see with Harvey Longie. All right, now we can talk about Quinn, uh, Nordine, and the kicker competition, which I think is extremely legit. Right, I, I think that we're really getting into the territory where it's it's a real competition, but at the same time. The 14 for 14 in the in-stadium practices is impressive, but it didn't come against a live kick rush. He's had some opportunities in training camp practices outside the stadium to kick without a live rush, but this will be the true test of him kicking in a game situation with all eyes on him with the pressure and with the full-on kick rush coming at in his direction.
1: Yeah, I you know, this. Is, Bill Belichick said the other day that he hasn't really been challenged yet, and we'll see if, Nick Folk plays, Nick Folk's been banged up. I, it, you know, I, I, there's not really a lot of analysis in it. He's either going to sink or swim. This is the next test. The ultimate question becomes, you know, Belichick mentioned the conditions. It's going to be hot tomorrow, but that little humidity might, might make it a little, you know, air's a little thicker. Ball's not going to go quite as far, but especially for Nordine, that shouldn't be a problem. Belichick mentioned he hasn't been tested. and, And when he says that he means rain, snow, wind, freezing temperatures, We'll see. So I don't know that Nordine can do enough to win the starting job in camp. If that makes sense, as good as he looks, then again, a full can't go. It's a no brainer, um, but he can certainly lose it. He can certainly fall out of contention. So he's either going to hit or miss tomorrow night. I'm excited to see it. And it's more reactionary than predictive with kickers.
0: Yeah. It kind of feels like with Quinn Nordine that it's kind of the evaluations basically all going to be in the games. Right. Like, he, he, I think he's earned an opportunity in the games in practice, right? He's earned the the opportunity to kick some in these preseason games, whether folk is healthy or not. But the true evaluation of how he handles pressure, how he handles a live situation in terms of the rush, how he handles the pressure of the fans in the stands. And maybe, maybe the, the, I think Bill Belichick would absolutely love it if they could get him a 17 to 17 with three seconds left in the fourth quarter and Quinn Nordin has to hit a game winner, right? Like I I think that that would be a dream come true for the coaching staff to be able to see him in that kind of moment. And you just, you just can't simulate that kind of pressure in practice. So I really feel like he has earned it to be able to kick in the game tomorrow night and in the next two as well. But now is the time where
1: he's going to have to win the job, right? And that evaluation is really an in game evaluation. The flip side of that is if they've seen enough that they believe in him but they don't believe he can take the job this year they'll bury him so they can get him on the practice squad right, right. if you put him in the games and he's nasty you're not getting him to the practice squad somebody's going to want him there's less than 32 NFL caliber kickers out there so somebody's yeah. going to grab him uh if if they if he doesn't play tomorrow night honestly that to me is a sign that they really believe in him
0: yeah if he a couple of a, you're right a couple of other things here I wanted to talk about two sort of depth situations, right? We've talked a ton about on the show the cornerback depth, right? Behind Stephon Gilmore and J.C. Jackson on the outside. This is going to be a big game for Dewan Williams and Michael Jackson because yep. I, I would be really shocked if we see J.C. Jackson for much if, if at all, tomorrow night, especially you have Gilmore who's nursing the quad injury and trying to come back from that and is unhappy with his contract. You don't there is jc jackson in the preseason game right you're already right. thin enough as it is there so if jc jackson plays more than a series or two that that's too much in my opinion i, I don't even think he needs to play at all so with that being said juan williams and michael jackson are going to play a ton tomorrow night i would think and we talked about this a little bit what was it yesterday uh or the day before that if you just took away draft status and you just took away all the other types of things that like Juwan Williams being the 45th pick in the draft and all that kind of stuff, Michael Jackson has challenged receivers more in camp than Juwan Williams has. And especially the last three or four practices, I would say Michael Jackson's starting to come on a little bit. Jackson needs to be out on the outside. He needs to be on the boundary. He needs to use the sideline. Uh, he needs to be physical at the line of scrimmage because he's not going to win any foot races. But when he is in phase and in position to make a play on the football, he's got pretty decent ball skills down the field. And we've seen that flash a little bit more recently, uh, certainly in the last couple of practices. So. I would say that Michael Jackson has slightly play, outplayed Jawan Williams to this point, but Michael Jackson was not the 45th pick in the draft. So th- there is some sucking cost there that you have to factor in with DeJuan Williams.
1: Yeah, I I, I think you. it goes back to Nikhil Harry. I think you're putting more stock on that than probably I am, than I think the team will. We talk about this all the time, right? Once you pick the player, I think the, outside of what it means for the contract, the draft stock goes away. I think they are who they are. And you're at the point, Nikhil Harry and Juwan Williams, where the contract's not as relevant when you talk about their standing on the roster. Um, I one of those guys has to show up because right now their best option for that third outside corner spot is an external addition. Right. Or, I, I, I think right.
0: Their best <laughs> internal option is Jalen Mills, which is not good. Which is right? not good and, for
1: anybody, right? Right. So, well, I, I would still argue that overall they're like I would rather go to an external option than Jalen Mills at this point. So somebody's got to stand up. Uh, I said this on on my 98.5 show last night. If Michael Jackson, you know, he's had three okay practices. He was great in one of them. He was above average in the other two. I don't know what that means. If he is building momentum, now's the time you want to do it going into that first preseason game. But he still has a long way to go to convince me that that spot is set. Juwan Williams has even longer to go. Um, And the thing you – again comparing Williams to Harry because I think there is some relative comparison there you mentioned Harry has flashed it the catch against the Chiefs last year from Stidham those two catches against the Chargers has I don't know that John Williams has flashed it maybe he did against Kasicki in week one yeah week year. one
0: against Mike Kasicki, he had that one pass breakup which was sort of a moment right but right not not much and I think Michael Jackson, like I said, has outplayed him a little bit. And Jackson to me is kind of like store brand JC Jackson, right? Where he's a physical press man corner, Play him on the perimeter, let him guard go goal, goal balls and fades and stuff like down down the sideline. And when he can be physical, get his hands on people, ride him down the field, he's able to make some pretty good plays at the catch point. That That's kind of his MO. But what I've seen from him in practice is anytime he's – the difference is with him and J.C. amongst a million other things is a really good off man corner as well because he's really good ball hawk. Right. So he can sort of read off the man a little bit. Whereas with Michael Jackson, when he plays off man, he gets blown by because he can't get his hands on anybody. He also struggles when receivers cut across the field. Right. And they break on him. Right. So if he's guarding somebody in a straight line or he's pretty decent. But the second that that receiver, and when I say straight line, I also mean stop routes, comebacks, things like that. He can play that role. But when receivers start to break across the field, that's when he starts to run into issues. So you mentioned external candidates. I think the next two weeks in Philadelphia and then against New York yeah. when they come here for those joint practices. And if there's anybody that pops in either of those two rosters, I think that that will be interesting to watch. the The Eagles need quarterback help, so they're if they have a good corner in camp other than Darius Slay, they're probably not moving him. Right? You know, he's probably right. going to stay. put. Uh, but maybe the Giants. Uh, we'll see what happens. With that, the other depth sort of spot that I, I think is interesting, and this is going a little real deep, I'll admit, is are the Patriots going to keep seven or eight off the line? Because I think the top seven guys, the starting five, Justin Huron and Ted Karras, are roster locks at this point. I think all seven of those right. dudes are making a team. And those are really – that's a really good top seven. You got a swing tackle in Heron. You got a swing interior lineman that can play all three spots in Ted Karras. Uh, that's solid depth right there. And then Michael on one, you can obviously move inside and outside, which is good as well. But that eighth spot, Bill Belichick has typically kept a bunch of offensive linemen. I think last year they might have kept
1: ten. and I think they IR'd somebody. They ended up trading Yelda Froholt, uh, but they had they eight. waived him. Remember, they they tried to get him in the practice squad, and Houston signed him. Okay, so they they had at least eight, if not nine, offensive linemen
0: on the roster to start last year. So to say that they're going to go from that point to seven. I think is, is pushing it a little bit, but I also remember, remember a few years ago, it was scars last year here, I think, uh, where they traded for Corey Cunningham, Illuminor, and brought in Russ Boolean right after cutdowns because the depth in camp was just awful, right? They just, the, the guys in-house were just awful. I sort of feel like that eighth offensive lineman spot, which they probably are going to try to get an extra body there. I don't know if any of these guys have earned it, right? And James Ferentz has probably been the best out of that backup bunch, but he's just a center, right? You're not going to play him right. anywhere else. So that's a limited player. Uh Will Sherman's the guy that I kind of highlighted in my preview post because he can play guard and tackle, and right now versatility is his best ability. I would say he's gotten smoked in one-on-one drills, and he hasn't played particularly well. But he's a rookie. It's only his fourth padded practice he really hasn't played any serious snaps yet so maybe he can turn it around uh, but this group uh Yanni kajust cory cunningham will sherman uh james As i mentioned marcus martin has had okay times at, at at times against the scout team did any of these players worth keeping on the roster i think is something that we we're going to learn
1: over the next couple of weeks yeah i mean i think william sherman is more of a projection guy you know i don't know that he's making you in 2021 but i I do like his upside and if there's any worry you're going to lose him if you try to get into the scout team he might be a guy worth keeping i just you know you're you're not wrong there's seven guys who are going to make the team and it doesn't really feel like anybody else has made a push but like that that's a low number teams don't keep any less than seven offensive linemen that's the base number around the league and bill always talks about how important offensive line depth is it feels like He's going to find a way to keep eight or nine guys. So I have it at seven or I, I have it at eight. I had Sherman. I have it at eight, but that yeah. even eight feels low. I think Belichick would like to keep nine. Then again, so, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Because of the, sorry, because of the practice squad yeah, yeah. elevation rules, maybe he's okay keeping seven and he knows he can still get people up on game day.
0: That's kind of why I feel like. That happens if they feel like they only seven guys are really the only rosterable talents on this team, then then I think they make a trade for an eighth guy, you know, in the illuminor Corey Cunningham trade, right, and, and bring somebody right. else in from another roster to fill out that eighth spot. Because as you mentioned, they they loved having their depth there. I wanted to end the show on this. Uh, rookie, non-Mac Jones rookies. Unfortunately, it doesn't sound like Christian Barmore is going to play in this game tomorrow night. So we got to take him off the board as well. But out of everybody else, and those two are obviously the biggest names and no Barmore definitely takes a little bit of uh, fire out of the kind of rookie class making its debut tomorrow night. Um, Who else are you looking forward to seeing
1: out of that rookie group? Yeah, I, I think Ramondre Stevenson. I think, you know, it's tough just the way these practices are structured to really see what the running backs can do. And I don't know how much we're going to see of him this season. I think he's in for a redshirt year. So these next three games are going to be our best look at him. I think he's going to play a ton. I don't think Sony Michelle, James White, uh, Damian Harris get a ton of snaps. I don't really right. think Bolden does. I think it's mostly going to be him and, him and J.J. Taylor. So he's going to have a ton of opportunity. I'm really excited about Ramondre Stevenson. I think he's going to be a fun player to watch. So he's somebody that I'll definitely have an eye on.
0: All right. Uh, I, I agree with Reminder Steven saying that was a good one as well. I, I'm actually interested to see Nick's not necessarily because I think that he's done anything particularly great in camp so far, but I'm interested to see where they play him because I think he's looked better inside than outside so far in training camp as sort of a, underneath slot receiver. He's a little bit quicker and more precise with his routes than I was expecting. Uh, so Uh I, I think that that'll be interesting to see where they play him. Uh, Ronnie Perkins is another one. I I, I think it been quiet as well, but is a rookie and changing positions a little bit from going with the hand in the dirt to standing up. So I think he's someone that could flash in these types of uh, atmospheres. And last but not least, I do want to circle back with Mac Jones. We started the show with Mac Jones. We're ending the show with Mac Jones. I, I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, Alex, but what number is Mac Jones going to come out in tomorrow night? Because he is not going to wear number 50 in an actual NFL game. So is he sticking with 10? Uh, where, where is he going with the number?
1: Do we want to pick all the all the Patriots numbers, right? Now, rookie numbers right now? I normally do this. So, all right. You know, I, I got to pull this. up the
0: roster because I'm I up don't the roster too wanna... jo- well.
1: Jones is an easy one. Um, he's going to take 10. I would think he's going to take 10. Right. He's reportedly been signing number 10 jerseys at charity events. He's 10 in, in high school. He was 10 in college. It's not taken. Um, unless Bill really wants to throw him for a loop and just like, you know, test him mentally and say, you can't have 10. Uh, I think he's taking 10. I think he's taking 10 also.
0: And uh, we've talked about who you sort of compare Matt Jones to. The Jimmy G comparison is not terrible. Just in terms of stylistically and how they play. Both wear number 10. Both worn number 10 for the Patriots. I, I, I think it's number 10. Not that the Jimmy thing matters about what number he's going to pick. But all right, um, I, don't, I guess are we we'll probably find out about Barmore's number even if he doesn't play. I think so, uh, yeah. So so what number is Christian Barmore wearing?
1: I could see him keeping fifty one. He was fifty eight in college. Okay. So he, he doesn't mind the fifty numbers, which is all you know, sometimes a little weird for defensive alignment, but I I don't know. I could I've been waiting for a rookie to just keep the number they get. I could see Barmore being that guy.
0: Right so nobody's wearing 51 currently besides Christian Barmore so he could just keep 51. 58 is Anthony Jennings' number. So he's not going to get 58. Uh the numbers in the 90s are pretty much I mean guys like you know I, I don't know if some of these guys are going to end up making the team but uh the guy the numbers in the 90s well it right doesn't matter, matter cuz
1: they're getting a sign now. So Right. I mean he could I think he's allowed to switch, right? Technically if like Oh that's right. You know, Nikhil was 8, yeah. Yeah, you're like right. if uh,
0: you know, Nick Thurman doesn't make the team and he wants ninety five, then he could technically switch. But I kinda like him taking keeping fifty one also. I, I think that that's sort of uh you're right. You know, he wore fifty in co- fifty eight in college, uh he likes numbers in the fifties. He can't wear fifty eight, so maybe he does keep fifty one. Well what about money per
1: Ronnie, oh, I thought we were doing Ramondre Stevenson first. I gotta look up his college. Well, group. Ronnie uh, Perkins Ronnie, is the next draft pick, Alex. Come on. So, okay, so Ronnie Perkins can't take seven. Oh. That's obviously very much taken. Um <laughs> maybe ninety-seven if Bill Murray doesn't make the team. I feel like that second number. Hang on, you go first. I gotta look something up here.
0: So fifty-five is Uche, right? So he's right. got he's got that number. Obviously, fifty-four is Hightower, fifty-three is Van Noy. So he might just keep fifty-two. Also, I mean, that's a linebacker number, right? I mean, like, why? Why? Well, because no, fifty-two it? is a Spence. Okay, but I don't think a Spence is making the. Well, we're team, talking right? about for
1: tomorrow night. We're talking tomorrow, about night. tomorrow night. Fair
0: enough.
1: Um, huh. Yeah, this
0: is tough. It's it's tough for him to find a number for tomorrow Actually, night.
1: Actually, he could take. Oh no, seventy-seven's taken.
0: Right, seventy-seven. I, I I think he might just stick with fifty-two.
1: Okay. I, I, I was projecting for tomorrow night, but I could see him taking 52. Oh, okay,
0: right, all right, I keep on forgetting about freaking Akeem Spence. Uh, right. Because, like, all the numbers in the 90s are taken. Most of the numbers in the 50s are taken. So maybe he goes with the number in the 40s, which would be gross, but he could go with something he, like – He might have to.
1: So right.
0: He might go with 40. 40 is straight 40's up 40. retired.
1: Forty's retired. Oh. Yep. Shows
0: what I know about Patriots history. So I – yeah, he Gee. might have to
1: take a temporary number. Yeah, can't take any of these. Yeah, this is a tough one. Yeah, his is going to be weird. I have a really good one for Ramondre Stevenson though. How many viewers? All right, give me Ramondre Stevenson. Um, three, three. he was three in high school? Okay. And if they're giving out four, I don't think they'd hesitate to give out three. I think Ramondre Stevenson takes number three.
0: Yeah, Yeah, twenty nine in
1: college. That's taken by Bethel. Maybe nine. Do they have a number nine? They do. It's Matt on. He can't take nine. I'm going to go right. three for a reminder. Okay,
0: I like three because three – I mean, they're not going to ch- retire Steven Kaskaski's number. He's obviously going to be in the Patriots Hall of Fame, but they're not going to retire his number. So three right. is possible. Um, so I like number one running – I don't mind. Enough. I like running back numbers in the twenties. I think twenties is what looks the best for running backs. But all, the only number that's not taken currently is twenty, and maybe that's retired. I don't know. That's Gino Cap. Gino
1: Capitality. Yep. Okay.
0: So I guess I, I, I'll stick with your answer and go three. You're 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 better at this. Than and it me, seems so.
1: like everybody everybody in the twenties. I mean, these are all guys who are going to make the team. Right. These right. Are all. I, right. Yeah. They're all wrong. okay. Maybe 30 is a cool running back number, especially for – Yeah, 30
0: is a cool one. 30 is a cool one. What what, what number was Corey Dillon? He was 28, wasn't
1: he? 28. Corey Dillon was 28, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 30 is Adrian Colbert at the moment. So So that could be open, yeah. He could take 34, shades of Shane Vereen. Interesting.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't – that's not – honestly, I could see Ronnie Perkins taking 34 because he was number seven. Three plus four is seven.
0: Okay, yeah, thirty-four could be. I think either got one of those guys. All right, uh, fifth round. Obviously, Cam McGroen's not playing in this game, so I guess Will Sherman, uh, the Shermanator, is is up next here.
1: Uh, I'm not gonna do we offensive line. Who knows? I think they're all taken. He can wear seventy unless it's retired. He can also I wear don't seventy. Believe 70, seventy is retired. Seventy-three is retired. Seventy-eight, seventy-nine. Also one of those is retired. I forget which one 73, 78, and 79. They're all retired. John Hanna, Bruce Armstrong, Jim Lee hunt. So maybe 70, maybe 70, 70 is in play. Yep. Okay. I think
0: probably 70. And
1: last but not least, Ernie
0: Adams's guy, Trey Nixon. What number is he wearing?
1: Uh, is there anything left in the eighties? 82. I'm just going to go 82 because it's the, I think it's the only number left he can take. Yeah,
0: it assuming
1: does. 87 is pseudo retired.
0: Oh my gosh, imagine if Quinn, if uh Nixon comes out in 87, because
1: all the single, assuming Mac takes 10, 11 and 12 are pseudo retired. Yeah, he'd have to go. Technically, wide receivers now can wear 20s, 30s, and 40s, but he's not going to do that, so it's 82. That's or I could take pick, 89, right? right? I don't think 89 is taken 89 by 89 is retired, Bob D. Okay, how do you know all this? Jesus. Uh, I, I the only ones I didn't ha- I could can never remember are the ones in the 70s. I know the three guys, but I can never remember the three numbers. It's Gino Capelletti 20, Mike Haynes 40, Steve Nelson 57. 56 is retired. Nobody wears it, but it's not technically retired, which is odd. That's Andre Tippett, John Hannah right. 73, Bruce Armstrong 78, Jim Lee Hunt 79. They should retire right. 56. That's wrong that they haven't. I don't yeah, know if there's a reason true. why they haven't. But Devon Godshaw said he wanted it, he didn't get it. So I'm assuming it's basically retired.
0: Right. And uh in the chat Mike, uh 17's Christian Wilkerson, which does not bode well for Christian Wilkerson. Yeah. And and his uh, future with the Patriots. I well, yeah, uh, like a
1: safety could wear that. So Yeah, we also
0: we also forgot about Quinn Nordine. He's going to oh, get Oh, I number. thought we were
1: saving him for last. I didn't forget about Quinn Nordine. <laughs> I I don't know what number he's going to take. I mean, I guess if Oh, you know what? Stevenson may not get three because I think it's Nordin can only wear between one and 19. Right. They're probably going to have to give him three. Three. Dan Stevenson would look cool in three, too. That's a bummer. I think Stevenson's 34. Unless they give him bummer. some holdover number.
0: I think Stevenson's 34. And that's tough. That's wearing three if you're Quinn Nordin, regardless of, of anything that, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm a superstitious guy sometimes when it comes to this kind of stuff. And, uh, that's big shoes to fill if, as a kicker and wear number three for the Patriots. So that it's, would not be quite, mean. it's not quite as big as wearing number four for the Patriots, but it's, it's pretty close.
1: What is, um, yeah, they, they, uh, I guess they could still double up technically. 'Cause you can double up during the preseason, so Okay, all right. Well maybe
0: they double up and then once the roster thins out when they cut down to 53 i I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet all this
1: time. out later though. I'm 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 looking forward to this. This is me me as well. Oh, well, the big one's Mac and I, I definitely think Mac is gonna Max take. ten. I think we know that uh I think it's kind of a big one too.
0: Mac ten, 10 kind of sounds cool. Yeah, like, I don't know why, good. but it, it's a good marketing ploy. We, I think V well.
1: twelve for years, Mac ten kind of fits in that in that yeah it definitely has
0: a ring to it all right so alex and i will be back on the podcast on friday at some point we'll definitely uh tease and promo it on our twitter accounts easy lazar for myself and real alex forth for alex and we'll break down everything that happens tomorrow night in preseason game number one on friday afternoon and you can read my coverage of patriots Washington. It doesn't, they need a nickname. It just doesn't sound good. Uh, Patriots Washington on com and on our YouTube channel, Patriots Press Pass. And you can read Alex's coverage of tomorrow night's game on 985thesportsHub.com. Once again, we'll be back on Friday afternoon to recap preseason game number one. Finally, some real football. Finally, a game to discuss, and you guys will get to see what we have been seeing out at training camp the last couple of weeks. But until then, signing off for Alex Farth, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for watching our content of the six-time Super Bowl champion New England Patriots. Please subscribe to my podcast, Patriots Beat, on our YouTube channel, Patriots Press Pass, or wherever you get your podcasts for a lot more exclusive content right here on the CLS Media Network.